Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the All Stats Aren't We preview of the Brentford away game. A guaranteed haven away from spurious Pontus Janssen-based narrative waft. I'm Darren Driver and I'm joined today by a man who, as ever, is sitting against the advertising hoardings in the full glare of the cameras, trying to squeeze out a tear. It's John McKenzie. John, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, we're doing really well. Interesting to hear you say waft, because I think I say waft, so maybe that's a, an interesting difference between the two of us. I think it's because I'm from the proper north and you're from Bradford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I am a Bradford Royal Infirmary boy. And, you um, are indeed. Yeah. They don't let you leave the hospital until you correctly pronounce the word waft. So No, that's that's right. How do you say it in your Scottish form, John? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I don't think we would say waft, we would say something else like guff or something like that yeah something better something better but i but i i got that word from you i think i think it was you that introduced me to that word and now i like it so i use it all the time yeah it's a good word isn't it it is it is it is um so let's get to the news the news john is that i'm nervous hold me (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's um squeaky bum time it is indeed isn't it um yeah so i'm gonna ask you the most unstats question but uh how how are, you, how are you feeling about the weekend's game ahead? It just feels very much like dice roll territory now, doesn't it? Uh, we're recording this before Burnley are playing this evening, um, so there is the outside chance that they may pick up points before then, so it's hard to know at this point how to feel. But yeah, I mean, we could win, we could draw, or we could lose, and there's obviously different probabilities on each of those outcomes, but um, there's not insignificant probabilities on all of them happening um, in in different realities so yeah I'm trying not to think too much about it I've I've reconciled the fact that um, we probably deserve to go down this season uh, I've reconciled with myself the fact that we may stay up as well so I rather than looking at those probabilities and trying to uh, dot the I's and cross the T's I'm just going to accept it and see what happens I suppose. So some of my favourite times in our stats last season were, were when we kind of managed to look our way to a to a, to a win that we didn't really deserve and then you would come storming in the group chat absolutely furious and I'm imagining <laughs> if you if you upscale that to the proportion of managing to survive a whole season when you didn't maybe really deserve to and how angry you'll be about that I'm actually quite <laughs> looking forward to that yeah it is what it is it would obviously be good for us from a financial point of view to stay up um but it may also be the case that if we go down it it might be the catalyst that we need to rethink how we're approaching things so there's there are positives on both sides I, I don't particularly miss the championship but I know there are a lot of Leeds fans out there who who do like the championship so I suspect I suspect that the, the the way to approach it is that you know it's your club and you support them wherever they're at so in that respect it's not the end of the world if they go down um, and it will be in a good position to come back up in a, in a couple of seasons you would think so yeah try and focus on the positives but yeah um, yeah we deserve to go down but lots of other clubs deserve to go down so I think I'll be I'll be you'll be fine. Calm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I have to say, I don't like the championship, but I don't like the Premier League, <laughs> and I don't like League One either. So I'm not really sure what. Sounds what, like you don't like football, Darren. I like the game. I like the game very <laughs> the much. Idea I'm, of the I'm game. very fond of the game itself. I'm very not fond of all the bullshit and structures that surround it. But that's probably a story for another time. Anyway, let's start to think about the um, about the Brentford game. So, as John says, we are recording this before. 
um, before Burnley play Villa tonight, and also before Jesse Marsh has delivered his Sermon on the Mount uh, in the <laughs> press conference, which I imagine will be uh, match day minus two, which is tomorrow. Um, so we don't have any any news really or any updates that we that we can usefully give you so we're going to go straight to the guest interview so this week John spoke to um, David Anderson of Bees Tactical about having a, a relatively comfortable first season I mean listen David <laughs> it's all very well having a comfortable first season but wait until next year because you need good senior management you need good recruitment and sensible squad churn so you'll probably be absolutely fine so David hi how are you doing hey John yeah hi mate really good thank you how are you doing yeah, not so bad. Obviously, the situation is somewhat different from the last time we conversed with one another about Brentford and Leeds, and we are now in very different situations, but it's been a great season for Brentford, right? It has, mate. It's been an incredible season. Um, thinking back to when we last spoke and earlier on in the season, we, I did have a little eye on this last game of the uh, last game of the season, and I thought it would have more bearing on both sides, but as it's transpired, we've, um, we've just sort of gone on strength to strength and and improved and yeah just got better as the season's gone on and it, it looks like you guys have gone the other way but yeah I can't complain at all it's been an amazing first season and uh, I think the big narrative is we we kind of look like we belong I think that was something slightly worried about but yeah it's been fantastic all around. Yeah and I guess when we were talking about this season right at the beginning of this season it felt very much as though you had those like nerves about it being your first season in the Premier League, not knowing what to expect, uh, etc. Things like that. So, yeah, with a full season under your belt now, and you've just mentioned that Brentford feel like they belong. So, what what is it that you've taken from this season in particular? The standard of the Premier League is high. It's it's a definite big step up. But I think from from a Brentford perspective, I think our recruitment is we we know it's good and. Uh, what what it's done is it's allowed us to it's allowed us to basically level off games and just be be a bit more not not like comfortable being slightly weaker than the opposition but just steady enough that we can level off games and not be overawed and it's only happened a couple of times when we have looked out of our depth but just how how basically if anyone was in any doubt it's looking at how our clubs run the the thoughts behind um, what goes into uh, what, what goes into the planning and, and getting these players onto the pitch and then building this group and then just making sure they're improving just at that right age of player as well. It, it's it's just a, a brilliant thing to watch and we're all really, really proud. But yeah, I, I guess um, the biggest thing is just we, we are right on the money of where we should be. And already in just year one, we've it looks like we've built a squad and a team that's above those relegation spots quite clearly and just probably hovering on the edge of mid-table, which is just some feat. Yeah, and so I suppose the big question is, is is it just the case that the summer is the big challenge now as you're looking to retain your place in the league? And the lesson of the last couple of seasons in the Premier League has obviously been Sheffield United and Leeds, who looked comfortable and then went down. So is that playing at the back of your mind as well? Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I, th- I think second season syndrome is a thing, but each, each case is different. I think why you guys probably fell into that is um, probably the age profile of your team, probably relying on some of the players that have been there for too long, some of those cycles that have just gone on three or four years, not quite refreshing the right positions. Are you, have you got the spine right? Have you just all of a sudden relied on players who, who can't make it onto the pitch regularly? I think all those things come into it. and Hopefully, I'm not giving us the kiss of death, but I think we should be slightly different to that. I think we've got a younger group. I think we've got a, a, a group that's developing better. And I think even if we do lose a couple of... Um, even if we do lose a couple of players who played really well for us this season, I think you'd trust us to either replace them well or give us the best chance of those ones coming in to be good enough to help us stay again next season. But it's really hard to judge that second season, isn't it? It's almost impossible. You can think you're riding um, riding some wave and then it hits you, it hits you square in the face. But yeah, second season syndrome is a worry. Yeah, We talked a little bit at the beginning of the season about the way in which you expected Thomas Frank to change his tactics in the Premier League. I'm interested in hearing from you what actually happened tactically. Yeah, so I think a lot of it was a carry-on from, I guess the first, it's probably split into two separate blocks, that the opening part of the season was a carry-on from our championship season. We finished the season playing 3-5-2. We were struggling in a 4-3-3. Just our passing patterns were very predictable and, we were running out of ideas and I think a lot of those championship teams knew how to 
a just stop us from um from basically performing well enough to 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 steamroll these teams that we were clearly better than so they, they were able to stifle us and i think we were just looking quite isolated with tony up front so switch to three five two just have a fixed player getting beyond him and around him and still being able to just sit on that three five two shape defensively when we're deep and just preventing any space between keeper and um good old Pontus Janssen running the back line and and I think that was our mantra just go into the Premier League being good enough defensively that we weren't going to be beaten three four five each game we're going to try and keep these games tight keep our keep our lines good and our, our shape nice and compact but when we attacked we were going to only we, you weren't going to catch us popping shots off from everywhere and just testing the keeper for the sake of it you were going to see us work the ball into good positions a good passing model out wide back in and then yeah, just being just being quite um, yeah, just being quite prudent with our shooting and, and actually making sure that we we're shooting in good positions. And then, luckily for us, the chances and goals have come as well at the right times. And more often than not, we've um, we, we've done okay to keep ourselves tight in games. And there's a, there's a few games where Chelsea will live long in the memory. But on the break, um, beating Chelsea four one and and uh, yeah, it, there's just been some incredible highs, but. Yeah, Thomas Frank is who's always lent on that three five two. That's that's the thing he likes the most. I think there's, there's, there was a period where it looked like it was going a bit stale this season, and and then Ericsson came in and we did switch to a four three three, just a little bit more fluid in midfield, and and then as our wingers got a little bit better, there was a slight shift. But tactically, I think the core has been that three five two, and that's probably why we've stayed up. As you mentioned, as far as the narratives go, the big turning point that a lot of people are talking about is bringing in Christian Eriksen. So would you agree with that as a narrative point or is it just too easy uh, an explanation for what happened? No, I don't think it's too easy. I, I think it's a big part. Um, there was a period of games where, uh, I can't remember how many we lost in a row, it might have been six or seven, where it's really hard to know if it was just the strength of the opposition just really came at us a really bad time. I think we played Man City, Liverpool and Man United in the space of this this game, this set of games. And you all of a sudden started to think, hang on, is, have we completely dropped off a cliff here? But the, again, it, it probably was the, the strength of the team. And then the strength of the teams we were playing. And then Ericsson came in not too much long after that. And there was a slight shift in in um, confidence of the group, in, in some of the... Um, some of the interplay between the forward line and, and midfield and really what happened was Matthias Jensen is um, is an okay player and then we basically got rid of him from the team and you replaced him with Christian Eriksen who is surprised I, I mean I was absolutely shocked by his level of fitness by his speed how quick he how quick he gets around the pitch how quick he moves up and down his size he's actually like a lot bigger than you'd expect as well and he's just a really hot a really high class player and I think if you we weren't one of the worst teams in the league anyway. We were probably around that sort of bottom four, bottom five mark, I'd say. You add in a real top quality player and give him a lot of minutes and all of a sudden you're pushing up the table. And I think we've just shown that when you get access to a player like that, it can actually have a big difference on on your quality. And and uh, yeah, it's not too easy to say at all that he had a big say in, um, in how comfortable we've looked in this um, latter part of the season. Yeah, you talked about the switch from the three five two to the four three three, and I did notice that that switch was made immediately as you brought Christian Eriksen in. Um, so I wondered what you what your thoughts were on that. Was that move made to accommodate him in the side? Yeah, I think so. I think a three five two is uh, whatever you want to say about it. I, I think it does try and hide some deficiencies, either in maybe impressing or, or sort of ability, or, or just making sure that. You're not getting caught playing. You're not getting caught upfield. You're going to sit a little bit deeper. And and I think when we got him into the team, I, I think something that was really noticeable is how much better we were in possession, and also how much we won the ball back higher up the pitch. And and then on top of that, just how devastating we were actually on the break and and playing little intricate balls just around the edge of the area and and him as a threat. So just with all these things, I think that the team and the coaching staff probably looked at it and thought, I think we can go 4-3-3. We can be a bit more front-footed here. We're going to create enough and be aggressive enough going forwards that that we don't need to just sit in this sort of a little bit more rigid and a little bit more disciplined uh, 3-5-2. I think we were good enough as a team to go out in 4-3-3 and it, and it, it worked. They they were they proved correct. I mean, we we have played three five two a couple of times. It's not always been 4-3-3, but the majority since he's come in, it, it probably has. But um, yeah, yeah. 
is, is, it, is how he plays as well. I don't think he quite suit that three five two system. It might be a little bit narrow for him. I think it's good to have width. And we might just get a bit bogged down, um, far too many players central and not have enough options for him to spread the ball. And I think the 4-3-3 definitely suits him. It's, it's that 4-2-3-1 he's played in a little bit more often over the years. And uh, yeah, I think I think we try to recreate something of that and have him joining in with uh, with the striker and a little bit of a free roll getting forward in midfield has been good. But saying that, he's actually played deeper as well. And there's been little bits of time when he's been the deepest midfielder. So yeah, quality to watch. And um yeah, really interesting watching the shape. Yeah, you've also had Ivan Tony in and out of the team this season. And I know you've been a little bit down on Tony since the beginning of the season. Would you say at this point that your criticisms at the beginning of the season have shown to be true this season? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, I think um, he's had a good season overall. I, I think he's, he suffered from COVID and he was a little bit dealing with the lag of that. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think, you look at how many goals he's got this year and he, he probably has proved any critics wrong. He's got a few penalties. Um, and again, I think he's also benefited from a player like Ericsson coming in and taking off some of the flack from him and just the team being a little bit more creative and, and having more routes to get forward, probably at a good time as well. But yeah, I, I might have been a little bit harsh. I, I still think Tony has a lot of development to do. I, I I'm not sure where his where his ceiling is. I don't know where he go, where his next step is, or or whether this is it for him. I'm not sure. I, I think he he does, there are some clear deficiencies to his game. But as a um, as a foil for Brentford and exactly what we'd need to, as a as a sort of target man to build from and um, bring others into play, he ha- he has been really good. Yeah, without doubt. And I always ask our guests this later on in the season, but who have been the more important players for you this season, in your opinion? I was just checking this before I came on. I had to remind myself, but Pontus Janssen has played 35.9 90s this season and Brentford are going to finish not far off mid-table. And if someone said to me he'd play that much in a team that finished this high in the, prem, uh, in the Premier League a few seasons ago, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have believed them. Uh, I, I think he's almost been an ever-present, um, just pretty much always there. He's been the mainstay of the defence, which if, if you look at the numbers of some... Um, has, has nowhere near been like one of the worst defenses in the league. Um, there's a lot of worse defenders than Pontus in this division, and he he's been a really good player. I, I guess the Leeds fans probably don't want to hear um, glowing references about Pontus Janssen, but he's been a leader. He really has. I think the spine of the team has been the the key part. It's probably been that Pontus Janssen, Christian Norgard just cleaning up in front of him. Also, hardly missed any football this season, but just just sweeping up in front and and offering that blocker just intercepting those good passes that the decent teams try and make against you. And and yeah, I think those two have been really important. Raya had a big period out, but he's once since he's been back in the team, we've also improved again and got back to the levels we know we can hit. Um, one for me, Vitaly, you know, I, I really like him. I think um, he's been an awesome player, just um, size-wise and getting around the pitch and, and uh, developing with the team. But uh, I think other players as well... I want to say Tony's been important. I think he's been a good leader. He ha- he really has for the team with some of the younger players. Maybe not so much off it, but on the pitch, a real leader. And then the other one who's had a great season is probably Christopher Ayer. Um, not played as much as some of the others, but he's sort of swept up behind Pontus Janssen a few times and, and just given us that little bit of pace and that little bit of quality in, in a couple of different positions, actually, out wide um, as as sort of that outside centre-back um yeah, he's been impressive as well. There's been so many to mention. I mean, I could go through the whole team, but hopefully those two are a little bit of a flavour, or those three are a bit of a flavour of um, the ones that have done well. Moving on to Leeds then, we've had enough time now to see Jesse Marsh's team, and um, in principle, they look to be frenetic and direct and cause problems in central areas through speed and vigorous counter-pressing. Um, whether or not we'll see that at the weekend, I don't know, but in terms of the, the principles of Marsh ball, do you think that, that would cause you any problems? It might do. I mean, I'm not. I'm not so sure. I think it's really difficult, isn't it? You've seen him come in, and how much is it just the squad, and what what is he actually trying to do with this team, and is is the team just so set down this route now that there's nothing really he can do but just put them out there and see what happens? I don't, I don't know. I, th- I think we're probably going to look a bit more disciplined than you'd be expecting, um, and probably more frustrating in that we will keep the ball well and we will try and play through you. And then 
at the same time, we're probably confident enough now with Ericsson, Tony, Wisser in really good form and some others that um, if you're uh, if you're as shaky at the back as you have been, it could it could be um, it could be it could be a long afternoon. But yeah, I, with March, I can't decide whether it's waiting to click and it's going to come together or there, there is some plan there that's just on the edge or it's just miles away. And this is a, a team that is probably destined to to not do very well. It's it's really it's really hard, isn't it? It's hard to judge. Equally, the the weak spots in a Marsh team have been the fullback areas, and we got absolutely battered in the left back area um, when we played against Brighton at the weekend, especially in the first half. So, thoughts on whether or not you can cause problems through those spaces? Yeah, yeah, we're good out wide. I think um, Christopher Ayer, who I've mentioned um, just earlier, sometimes playing right back and for such a big guy, like six seven incredible engine and just gets up and down that right hand side really well like uh, underlapping overlapping if if he's um if there's any weaknesses out there he's going to find them and then you've got Mbomo drifting in on his left foot Aya coming on the outside I'd be wary if there was too many weak spots and you're not, and you're not defending your um you're not defending your wings well because there's um there's some good partnerships that have developed over this season out wide uh both wings actually as well Rico Henry's just improving and really impressing everyone with his pace down the left. And um, it, we're not sure who's going to support him out there, but Wisser as well. Wisser just can't seem to stop scoring at the moment. Um, really good at first time striking and anything that falls his way as well will go towards goal. So yeah, our wide guys are a real threat. So yeah, let's hope, um, let's hope you get good junior fair parents that have um, bad junior fair parents. <laughs> yeah. And so in terms of the game itself, do you have any injuries or suspensions ahead of the game? Um, none major that I'm aware of. Um, yeah, they tend to keep injuries and bits like that close to their chest. It, nothing overly huge that might be a bit of a shock. I, I don't think there is anything major. Um, it should be a fairly strong team. It, it could be the last time we see Christopher and Eriksson, uh, Christian Eriksson play for Brentford. But um, no, no, I, I don't think there's anything major that's um, that's going to prevent us putting out one of our best teams. Do you want to take a guess at what the lineup's going to be? Oh yeah, I, I think um, I think they'll go strong. I think for Leeds as well, it's such a big game, and there has been a bit of animosity building <laughs> between these two teams, maybe off the field as well, and um, for the last couple of years. Um, I, yeah, I think I think we we'll see Rare in goal. Um, right back, we'll probably see Christopher Ayer. Uh, if Pinnock's okay, it'll be Pinnock and Janssen at the back. If not Pinnock, it will be um, uh, Madsbeck Sorensen. Uh, left centre back and then Rico Henry left back. I think the three in midfield. I think they'll go um, Christopher Norgard, Vitali Yanout, and Christian Eriksen, and then the three forwards: um, Mbemo, Wisser, and Tony. Uh, I think that all being well and all being fit, I think that will be the lineup um, that you see against uh, against your guys. And I never ask for predictions on this podcast, but I do ask for where you expect the game to be won or lost. So how would you answer that question? Yeah, I think um, for you, it's it's going to be an emotional game. I think there's a lot on it for you guys. Um, and I think we're, we've looked like a really, we've looked like a good team that will keep our heads and just keep disciplined and keep plugging away. And and uh, I've, I've seen your discipline in the last few games. And I don't know if it's, if it's, the right mood or mindset to bring into this final game and I think our temperament will be well uh will pay a part and unfortunately for you I think we're going to be too we're going to be too rigid and we're going to be too precise and I think we might just pick you off um in possession and yeah have you frantically running around chasing the ball and um being lulled into some bad challenges uh, yeah I, I think um I think the fact that we can relax and play the game and and enjoy the occasion and say bye to our fans is probably going to be to your detriment well david it's always great having you on what's the best way for our listeners to catch what you're putting out yeah have a look at b's tactical it's been a little bit quiet over the last um month or so with um yeah just people working on it just been so busy but um yeah check out b's tactical there's loads of old stuff on there as well as a patreon and um b's tactical on twitter well thank you so much for coming on no probs catch you soon John, you love Brentford, don't you? So tell us, tell us what you like about them. I don't know if I would say I love Brentford. I, what I what I love is clubs that are run smartly, and Brentford are definitely one of those. So I always have a little bit of a soft spot for for a club that can just seems to make all the right decisions, and then even when 
things don't go right for them. So the season when we got promoted, Brentford will have seen that as a big disappointment, but they stayed up and did the did the same thing again the next season with different players having sold some of their bigger players and and they came up as well and they just have a really healthy attitude to actually running a club and, and how you approach things season on season so as you say they'll probably be fine next season you would imagine as long as their recruitment hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you goes to plan um and yeah I, 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 as you've said I, I i do have this weird tick of 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 appreciating justice in the world and um and so i think clubs like brentford they they just sort of stand out to me as sort of beacons of 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 hope because you know what you're going to get they do what they do and okay yeah variance does come into it but um you you know that they're doing everything in their power to make the smartest decisions they can so um yeah and look where it's got them a pretty decent first season in the premier league even if like say ne- say for example next season brentford were in a position where they where on the on the field they didn't do as well as they do this year and did go down like they they're the sort of club that would be perfectly set up to handle that sort of sort of transition and to 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 go to go again you know the the, the way that their their club is run is doesn't isn't predicated on the idea that they must be in the premier league or everything's awful right yeah they're similar to norwich in that respect and norwich get a bad rap i think because norwich basically consider themselves to be one of the top 25 teams in england and that's fine, but the top 25 teams in England aren't always in the Premier League because there's only 20 teams in the Premier League. So I think their general attitude is as long as they're keeping themselves within that top 25 each season, they're, they're being successful. And at the moment, it's so happening that they are staying in that in that top 25 well enough to, to come back up every season. So you look at it, it comes down to money. You look at the amount of money that they spend on players, the amount of money they have in their wage budget. And... Yeah, I mean, laugh at them if you want, but if you think that it's f- funny that one club is is being run sustainably and much better than a lot of the other clubs, then essentially all you're doing is supporting a stock market, um, and and a lot of these clubs are just wasting money. They're leveraging huge amounts of debt, attaching it to their clubs, and putting themselves at a risk that I guess Chelsea are at, at the moment, which is you know if it goes wrong, then there is the possibility that you could get liquidated. And uh, for me, as a football fan. I want my team to exist in perpetuity as as an, an institution that we are attached to, and the value of that club obviously is important. I want the club to be sustainable. And I want it to have enough money to keep running. But the idea of just trying to cheat the system by lamping loads of debt on your on your club and uh, trying to cut corners with with financial fair play 
doesn't really do anything for me. So, yeah, um, I suppose that that's my general attitude to, to teams like Brentford and Norwich is that they're doing a really good job with with the, I, I suppose, the hamstringing that they have compared to everyone else in the league. And one of the things that I've always liked about, I think, I think clubs like this, they 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 also sell players at the right time, don't they? Which which I think is probably something that you couldn't reasonably say about us at the moment because it seems like a long time since we've sold a big a big player in in order to reinvest in the squad but Brentford seem to do that quite smartly. Yeah, they they have succession planning which I don't think we've ever really had. Uh, the idea that you know you have squad places and you you've got like a, a holding pattern of players who are able to move up the next level and you move move players on when they're at their peak value um, accepting that you know you've got to take that risk and try and bring someone else in and yeah, again, it's it's all about being about, about being responsible. I, I should say that like Brentford obviously they do spend money like their their owner Matthew Benham has put a lot of money into the club but they are still being run in a in a way that is sensible like it's not you're just spaffing money onto on players who aren't going to work etc etc they've had to spend some outlay to, to actually achieve that whereas um as, as you say they still have to make those hard decisions and the same as Norwich do which is okay we've got you know say Emmy Buendia and we recognize that he's at his peak value now it would be great for us to keep him this season in the Premier League. We can't do that. We'll sell him on. Uh, and, and that means that when we go down, we, we can then um, churn the squad and, and, and think about ways to come back up. So, yeah. OK, cool. Let's start to think about the game in, uh, in a little bit more detail. So, John, as you were listening to yourself interview, David, um, what, what, thoughts, what thoughts were sort of kicking around your, your mind about the game and what did you want to talk about? Yeah, so I've watched back. Uh, the last couple of games that Brentford have played because I hadn't really watched them much since Christian Eriksen arrived and they've changed their structure since he arrived. They've gone to a 4-3-3 rather than this 3-5-2 that they like to use. Uh, I was kind of interested to see how they were playing and I was just struck by how good they are in transition, uh, attacking transitions. And I feel as though maybe in the last few games we've, we've maybe got away with coming up against teams who aren't necessarily great at the, the transition and that's partly a, a, a result of the fact that we've played against teams who are either elite or maybe not so elite um, I think maybe the best transitional team that we've played in terms of just being able to attack at speed uh, and make the most of open spaces is is someone like um, Aston Villa uh, and they obviously they obviously made um, made themselves dangerous in, in that in that game so I'm kind of interested to see how how it's going to be that Brentford are are just going to take us apart in that when we commit players forward, which I think, which I think we do, um, in certain situations, how they will then exploit that. Um, I suppose that will depend on whether or not we come out and are super defensive, which there are rumours that might happen. Um, but even still, say we say we then concede, and then we have to sort of go for it a little bit more, given results elsewhere. Um, it it may be the case then that they're they're able to cause more problems than, for example, Brighton did in transition. I thought Brighton were really poor in transition um, in the second half of the game um, last weekend, uh, largely because yeah they're a team who are, are, are good at generating chances through careful build up and and finding weaknesses to exploit. Um, but then when it was just the the pitch was wildly open they just weren't really able to make the most of it and, and attack at speed and move the ball quickly and get players into good positions so I think that will be the the story of, of the game at the weekend. So who are the players in Brentford's team that you see being able to really hurt us in those transitional moments John? Well obviously Christian Eriksen is just a productive god um, so I think he's made a huge difference to them in terms of and, and he's one of those players that you watch right and it's not that he, you watch him you think oh this guy's just elite he's not doing like on ball elite stuff all the time but what what it is that he is doing is that just every time he finds like a really incisive pass forward um and that just you know that makes such a huge difference especially for transition teams because if you can make that first pass quickly and, and into the feet of someone then suddenly the the attack is is open and, and you can go from there uh, they've got Johan Wisser um, who plays out wide on the left for them at the moment? He's been on a fairly dangerous run of uh, run of form. Um, Ivan Tony, people are uh, hot and cold on him, but again, he's going to be a player who will hold the ball up well and, and will be able to feed uh, other players. He's a really good link-up striker. So those would be the the sorts of players that that I would keep an eye out for in particular. Yeah, I think I think it is it it is it is a real concern. As you say, I think in in terms of 
particularly in moments when we've when we've needed goals and we've committed more players to attacking. Like you say, especially against Brighton, there were numerous occasions on which we left ourselves really vulnerable in those transitional moments, and they had maybe a three on three or even a four on three overload and really failed to to take advantage of that. So um, I think that that is <laughs> excuse me that is a, a particular worry that that we'll that we'll need to look out for. Um, okay, let's think about the structures then. So as you've said, Brentford have moved. Since Christian Eriksen came in, Brentford have moved to um, a four-three-three, having played a, a three-five-two for for, for the, the, most of the season before that. And as David was saying in, in his interview, that's really changed how they've played. It's changed how they are in possession. It's made them a bit less predictable. Still very structured. Still very well organised in their possessional moments. But but less predictable and 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 a bit easier, a, a bit a bit less easy to defend against. Um, John, how do you expect? leads to to set up in terms of the, the structure yeah it's really hard to say isn't it because I think I feel like in the last month or so Jesse Marsh has just been tweaking things around um like a like a manager doesn't really know what to do to get the best out of his team a little bit um so we've seen like the a back three played um we've seen games where we've been playing a back four and then switched to a back three because we've had a red card which I think happened in the Arsenal game Last weekend we we came out with a back four again. Yeah, it's back four. Yeah. So I, it, it's hard to know if it it will depend, I suppose, on how the result tonight goes. Um, and I think if we're still a point ahead, he probably will come out fairly conservative and then maybe change things up as the game is going to to sort of reflect um, what's what's going on elsewhere in other football pitches around the country. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, Part of me just kind of feels. Part of me feels like at the moment we're just a, a team who play much better when we're not the protagonist. And there's been a lot of games where we've come out actually after going a goal down and look better than we have before going a goal down. So in a situation where we're expected to keep things tight, I just I just don't have a huge amount of hope that we'll that we'll be able to defend well enough to prevent the opposition from scoring, or then generate those sorts of deep transitions that will cause them problems um so yeah it's it's hard really to say how i think this one will go and that concludes <laughs> um yeah no I, I i agree i think that, that there is there is something in there isn't there so if burnley do lose tonight there is a chance that leeds will set out for a point and try to par- participate in the most boring game of football since records began but i don't think we're set up for that, I don't. I don't think we've got the players to do that. I don't think. I don't think our our defensive structures lend themselves to that. I don't think our attacking players uh, and the way that they set up lend themselves to to sitting in blocks and just trying to soak things up. So I I, I do think it it is a it is a difficult one to predict, and so much of it is based on a kind of gamble based on what happens elsewhere as well, which is not never particularly comfortable position to be in is it like I I'd much rather personally that we just committed to saying right we're going to go for the win irrespective of what happens elsewhere and because because we are in a situation where even that win may not be enough uh because if if Burnley somehow do manage to pull two wins out of the bag we're done no matter what no matter what the situation is so um I'd I'd much rather that we were being proactive in in trying to um trying to get 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 a good result but if the rumours are true that that we are planning to kind of try and soak up pressure that actually gives me a significant amount of concern more for the for the game than than uh, than the other way around so the problem is is that if you're trying to sit deep you do need to be able to possess the ball well you need to be able to defend if you're sitting deep and you're putting yourself at risk of constantly facing a barrage of pressure and that's all well and good if you can maybe snick a goal some from somewhere uh, but the problem is is that we're not good enough doing the other stuff that we do to actually play it over the course of a game and actually dominate the game um, because we aren't really good enough in possession so it yeah even with the Brighton game it felt like we we sort of moved the ball forward very quickly and then hoped that we could win it in the breakdown um, and it didn't really do that very much and in many respects like the goal itself sort of just came from from out of nowhere really it wasn't some it wasn't a sort of move that we'd been doing regularly through the course of the game most of the game had just been sort of yeeting it long and and hoping that we could win the second ball so yeah it's it's a it's a tricky one because obviously some teams will struggle with that like Brighton did struggle I think because we then just started putting the ball long and they were winning the headers in the back line but then we were winning the second balls and we were able to keep the ball in the 
opposition half for a little bit longer. Um, whereas I think Brentford might might be able to deal with that slightly differently, but again, that remains to be seen. So again, maybe that might, might be the best approach for us to just sort of not try and build up from the back, hit it long, try and hit the, the back line and either the ball goes through and you can try and attack it that way or you can try and win that second ball when it drops into that space in front of the defence. Yeah, for sure. What do you expect the lineup to be? Because we've still got a number of players out and we're still not sure whether St. Pat is going to have any involvement at all. I'm thinking probably not if he wasn't even on the bench last week. That probably feels like it'd be too big a leap for him. But so it means we've got, you know, Roberts, Forshaw, Dallas, Aileen, James, probably other people I'm forgetting who are who are not available for the for the game at the weekend for various reasons. So co- cobbling together a team is not going to be all that easy, is it? Do you expect it to be very similar to what we put out against Brighton? Can't even remember the team we put out against Brighton, but I would I would expect it to be Melian Goal, Junior left back, Cooper, if he's available. Is he available? I think so. Yeah, uh, so. and then probably Urente and then Cock as the right back. Yeah, and then we'll have Phillips and Click, and then in front of them Harrison, Rafinha, and then probably Rodrigo and Joffe, which I guess is is that the starting lineup for Brighton as well. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. So you said you couldn't remember it, but you could. <laughs> Just but, didn't but not, know. But not through the method that most people <laughs> did. <laughs> yeah, I, I expect it to be that to be that too. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting if if we do bang the ball up long and expect Joffy to deal with it. I mean, I think I think Brentford's defenders are likely to be even more comfortable than than Brighton's were in terms of dealing with that aerial threat. And then it's whether we can get the. As you said before, it's like whether we can get the second press, second wave of pressure there to pick up that second ball um, effectively enough. Um, So what do you expect the game to look like when Brentford have the ball? What sort of channels are they going to be running? How are they going to try and put us under pressure, John? Yeah, so as I say, I think they'll they'll just try and transition quite quickly, try and get the ball forward um, when, when we are attacking. Um, high up the pitch mm-hmm. um, but they are I think good enough in possession to, to sort of keep the ball a little bit and they will try and work it particularly in wide wide areas I think um, it, it's funny seeing the move from that 4-3-3 sorry move to that 4-3-3 from the 3-5-2 because um, I actually I actually feel as though it, it sort of gets the players in good in better positions almost um, and it gives them an extra player up front which I always think with maybe teams with a slightly less technical quality that can that can it can always be good having that extra option um, so it'd be a case of them building up from the back trying to get the ball to players like Christian Eriksen and uh, Matthias Jensen who I don't know if he'll be starting at the weekend but he was he's been quite important for them in the last couple of games um, and yeah there's there's a certain amount of flexibility in their midfield three um, so you'll you'll often see Jensen or um, Ericsson dropping in um, and, and helping out in the build-up, uh, with the other one then pushing forward and on the on the opposite side to help out with the attack as well. Christian Eriksson drops out wide quite a lot, um, again just to give himself a little bit of space. Um, he tends to play on the left-hand side and then drops into the space that sort of opens up when Rico Henry pushes forward. Uh, and then yeah, you've got Mbemo and and Wissa in the wide areas. They're both quite quick players, quite nippy, quite dangerous players. Um, uh, and then, as I said as, as well, you've got Ivan Tony. So if you need to, you can play a ball into him, and he can hold it up and then feed players in, in into the line behind as well. So they're pretty well set up, I think, for for playing a, a sort of largely possession-based football, but the, with the ability to actually get forward quickly if they need to as well. Sounds very different from what we saw at Elland Road in December. Like they they were they were much less fluent, I think, and much less fluid in that game, and certainly didn't you know that didn't have the sort of interchanges that you've just described in those forward areas with um, with people sorry about that, I just knocked my house over. Um <laughs> with people um overloading and and trying to create overloads in the fullback areas, which I guess is is a real significant concern, right? For because given given that we always look vulnerable in that area, if a team deliberately attacks in that in that way, that's gonna cause us some problems on the day, isn't it? Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned in the last game because I felt in the last game they were actually there were a few moments where they weren't quite good enough in transition against us, and there was a few chances they had to actually cause us a few problems in in moments when we were pushing forward to try and get an equaliser. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see the impact that Ericsson has then on those transition tr- transitional moments. It may be the case that he just is the key to to making those moments so much more dangerous. But yeah, you mentioned fullback areas. Um, They'll, they'll be more da- dangerous down the left, I think, because they've been playing Christopher Ayer 
who's a centre back. He's someone like six foot seven, like he's a big lad. Um, they've been playing him as a right back. Um, so uh, there's there's an asymmetry to it there. They're definitely playing him as a more of a more of a defensive uh, fullback. Although he does get forward quite well. He he's quite mobile for a guy who's who's so tall. But yeah, you've got you've got Rico Henry and then and then Jan Wisser. Um, both on that on that left hand side and um, yeah and Christian Eriksen obviously dropping in there too so um, I would expect I would expect the the ball to sort of tend over to that side but then they they do play a switch across to Mbemo quite quite regularly as well um, from one side to the other so yeah they're almost overloading to isolate on, on the other side as well so what was the name of the six foot seven Brentford fullback there sorry I missed, missed his name Christopher Ayer Christopher Ayer so question on everybody's lips here John is do you prefer watching Christopher Ayer or Dan Byrne play football given because <laughs> I know how much you enjoy Dan Byrne yeah well I enjoy Christopher Ayer because I think he's like a decent I mean I suppose I suppose they're both decent centre-backs but um, <laughs> Christopher Ayer is like a player who could I think perform really well in an elite side um, okay. he's a good ball-playing centre-back he carries the ball really well his passing is excellent um and obviously he's like being played as a fullback, so he's he's a good ball carrying centre back. Um, Dan Byrne is is a mystery to me. Um, so <laughs> I watch him in in pure amazement at some of the places that his legs can go. It's a kind of awe, isn't it? I've I've, enjo- it I've is, always enjoyed yeah. your Dan Byrne commentary. Anyway, um, so as we know, um, Brentford are very tactically disciplined. They're very well coached, and I guess the question that I have here is that our attacking play doesn't seem to be that it doesn't seem to be well disciplined or I was going to say well coached but there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of coaching in our attacking play at all it's just very much have a go at it lads get the ball forward and see what you can do Um, so I guess my question is will our attacking play be able to cause them problems or will they be able to resist being drawn into a sort of chaotic and transitional game yeah and I think they will want to avoid that despite saying that I think that they will hit us quite dangerously in transition they want those transitions to be structured so it, they want to be absorbing pressure from us and then winning the ball back and then having space to attack um, and what what was happening as I've said in the Brighton game is that they we were just hoying the ball forward winning the second ball off the header or, or Brighton were you know getting the ball with backs to goal and then we were just charging through them um, so the, I suppose the big question for me is like to what extent are they going to be able to be patient in those moments and uh, work the ball around get past that first aggressive press uh, and then get the ball into those areas behind them so yeah it will definitely come down to that I, I'm fascinated to see if this game breaks down into two halves because so many of the games under Marsh seem to have done that uh, and there's suspicions about whether or not the players just complain at half time about the, the way that the first half's being done Um and yeah, so it will be it will be interesting to see whether or not we do try and possess the ball at the back against Brighton. They just pressed us into oblivion, really, and they caused us loads of problems in that first half. And then in the second half, when we stopped doing that, it, I wouldn't say that we necessarily attacked better. I think everyone thought that we were better in the second half, mainly because we just weren't putting ourselves under pressure in our own half. I don't think we were necessarily that much more impressive going forward. We certainly created more chances, but it was again, it just it does just seem to be sort of right. Uh, dice roll stuff that we're that we're doing in those situations and if you do it long enough and you have the energy to do it for long enough then eventually you might somehow be able to pull off a moment of magic and find Pascal Strauch at the back post but it's not a particularly um, sustainable method of, of scoring goals I would argue um, so yeah it will be it will be interesting to see if if you know the game doesn't go the way that we want it in the first half if we then come out in the second half and we're just going to go for it in, a, in that sort of very hit it long and, and hope hope for the best for sure so where will the game on sunday be won or lost yeah well there, there we there we go like where where do we expect that that to to fall down at the moment like brentford are playing sensible football with decent players in a system that is working for them um and we're playing sort of quite high vibes football um and we have a lot more at stake in the game than than Brentford really despite the fact that obviously Brentford will be taking the game seriously I think um, so yeah it, it's going to be I suppose for a neutral that would be a, a fairly nice context to to go into a game watching um, but yeah if, if we can if we can do what we did against Brighton and if they score a goal and then we can stay in it long enough to, to be able to equalise then then that would be great um, but again like in the Brighton game my overarching sense was that we could easily have gone two goals down and then been out of that game entirely. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 going to be a case of like try and stay in the game as long as possible. Obviously, try not to um, concede first. Try and try and get the first goal. But then we have the opposite problem that we've talked about, where we're just not very good at maintaining leads because we aren't able to 
dominate possession in any way. So, yeah, it will it will be it will be a fascinating game. It's it's very hard to to say really, um, which might be apparent from the fact that I've just rambled for about a minute in this answer. No, it's good. It's got made the running time respectable. I'm, I'm really, <laughs> yeah, <nice. laughs> really yeah, I, I, yeah, I like you, John. I've got no. It, so much of it's dependent on what happens tonight. I think as to how Leeds approach the game on Sunday, and if yeah, that makes it very difficult for us to to put any real sort of predicted narrative around how the how the game goes or, or whatever. So we'll probably stop trying to do that right now and uh, and and draw this to a close. So. Um, yeah, just in terms of the under twenty threes podcast, Hobbsy, Adam, and I have decided to just we've we've sort of taken the view that there are probably more important things going on at Leeds United right now than the under twenty three season review. So we're going to wait for the dust to settle on the first team stuff and put the twenty threes review out after that. What else is going on, John? Yeah, I guess we we're just sort of waiting now for the end, aren't we? So we'll put out a few. Uh, we'll, we'll do a review podcast after the game uh, and then we'll I think well I'm away next week so we'll have a break probably for a week and then we'll start putting out a bit of um, summary stuff so in both senses of the word um, but yeah covering covering the season that's just gone and maybe looking forward and, and, and I suppose we probably should have some kind of grand inquiry cast at some point as well we should yeah we should and, and definitely let's go over the uh, predictions podcast from the start of the season and, and do a box that off because I remember making some quite uh, magnificent predictions about how <laughs> Patrick Bamford was going to score 20 this season and uh, perhaps been proven wrong on that front um, so cheers for that Pat um, okay good stuff so everybody will be back on Monday with a review of the uh, Brentford game um, until then stay safe look after yourselves try not to take it too seriously have a great week try and enjoy the game bye for now catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.